What's going on, Experience Church? Oh, grab a seat, grab a seat. Wow, wow, it is so good to be with you. Uh, again, as Pastor Kyle mentioned, my name is Jim Wilkes. I serve as a lead pastor of Journey Church, and I'm just honored to be in the house. Come on, let's give Jesus a round of applause one more time. Come on, lift him up. Oh, you can bet, that's patty cake, that's golf clap, come on. That's why we gather. You know, we didn't gather just to sing some songs. The songs were amazing, but we gather to lift up the name of Jesus. And what I love about this church is unapologetically, they're all about Jesus. They're all about helping you take your next step towards God and, and loving some people in the community. Uh, love your pastor. Love Pastor Kyle and Justina. Aren't they amazing? I tell you, they're a power couple. I just want to honor you guys. Uh, Pastor Justine, I want to honor you. You love Jesus more than your husband because you're here today. <laughs> he slept in. It's like, I'm tired, all that mission stuff. But you're like, no, souls. <laughs> uh, let me show you my family. There's my beautiful family. That's my son, Joel, in the uh, obviously graduation uh, gown. Just graduated high school, is off the Southeastern University. So my wife and I are finally empty nesters. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Told my kids, you better call before you come home. <laughs> Why, Dad? You know. It's my son, Josh, all the way on the left. Uh, they're, they're both single. If you want their Instagram handle, just let me know. It's my beautiful bride of 23 years come this September. Come on. My Italian wife. First three years, I thought she was yelling at me. And I said, why do you keep yelling at me? She says, I'm not. I'm talking. I said, I didn't know that. For three years, I was in therapy. I had no idea what was going on. Love my wife and family and thank God. But she can preach way better than I can. If you've ever heard her preach, man, she's just the real deal. She preaches with me for preaching at me for 23 years now. It's been amazing. <laughs> A lot of altar calls. <laughs> I mean, it's your very first time hearing me. You've never seen me before. That's great. It's good for you. It's good for you. <laughs> A lot of you guys are like, I should have stayed home and just watched the broadcast. <laughs> you know, I was raised in old school Italian Pentecost. Um, my mom, uh, she's with the Lord now. She passed away from cancer, uh, man, tw uh, 23 years ago, a month before my uh, wedding to Jennifer. And, uh, but man, she, she raised me on high faith, high faith. Like we were raised po, not even poor. We couldn't afford the OR. <laughs> and uh, seasons of our life, we were, we were squatters. We broke into ho a house and lived in there for a while. And uh, just, you know, life, life is life, right? And uh, Bad things happen to great people. I don't understand all of it. And good things happen to good, bad people or good people. And good things happen to bad, you know, all those things. But my mom raised me on high faith, uh, believed God for miracles. I saw miracles taking place. I saw God supernaturally provide. So it's in the core of who I am. I love that we sung, sang songs all about it. And don't, don't tell me he can't do it. Don't tell me that God can't heal you. Don't tell me that God can't provide for you. Don't tell me that God doesn't have a way out. Don't tell me if God can save you, he definitely can redeem you and sanctify you and do something with your life. I'm already preaching than you're amen in. I'm in the front row. I, I need you. <laughs> I read a story, and I want to share it with you. It was in 1965 during a family reunion in Florida. A grandmother had woken up and woke up everyone at 2 a.m. in the morning, and she said, I got orders from God. I need you to get empty Coke bottles. And she said, God, put a word in my heart, and people must hear this word. She wrote verses, Bible verses on the paper, while grandchildren bottled, bottled and corked them. 
Then everyone deposited over 200 bottles in the surf of Cocoa Beach. Then people contacted her and thanked her for scriptures throughout the years. She died in November of 1974. Then nine years later, the next month this later arrived. Dear Mrs. Gross, I'm writing this letter by candlelight. We no longer have electricity on the farm. My husband was killed in the fall when a tractor overturned. He left 11 young children and myself. The bank is foreclosing. There's one loaf of bread left. There's snow on the ground. I prayed and asked God for forgiveness before I went down to drown myself. The river has been frozen for over a week, so I didn't think it would, think it would take too long. When I broke the ice, a Coke bottle floated up. I opened it with tears and trembling hands. I read about hope, but for him who is joined to living, there is hope, Ecclesiastes 9. You went on to refer other scripture verses in Hebrew and in John. I came home and read my Bible, and now I'm thanking God for the message. We're going to make it now. Please pray for us but we're, that we're all right. May God bless you, you and yours, a farm in Ohio. God's a God of miracles. You know, I'm a logical guy, and I wonder in my mind, how in the world did a Coke bottle all the way from Cocoa Beach find its way all the way up the ocean and to the, to the you know, Lake Erie or however it got in here and into a little creek or crick, depending on what side of the river you fall on. <laughs> that just strategically, the, the, an angel, the Holy Spirit, I don't know, just put that Coke bottle, Coke bottle right in the miry mud. Just enough for this lady to kick the ice and watch that Coke bottle flow up, float up. I want to share that story with you because I want you to know God knows exactly where you're at. You may have found your way to experience church, but he's got a plan for your life. You pastor, you don't understand what I've done and haven't done. And I'd said this and I said that I did this and I've done that. That's a, God can redeem everything. God's a God of miracles. You see, God, how does things like this happen? It happens when people are obedient. Imagine if Miss Gross woke up at 2 a.m. in the morning and said, well, that was spicy pizza. She felt a tug from the Holy Spirit and radically obeyed. You see, it's people who take radical obedience, who live a life in Jesus. They're, God's going to take their ordinary and do something extraordinary, or extraordinary with it. God is just looking for common people, you and I, people that are just mess-ups, any mess-ups in the house. If you didn't raise your hand, you just messed up. <laughs> I got you. See you at the altar. See, God's plan for us is that our life is fully surrendered to God. Today, if I was going to give this message a title, I would call it Life in the Bucket. Life in the Bucket. That God wants us to live fully surrendered in Jesus Christ. You know, today I'm going to talk to you about stewardship. I'm going to talk to you about generosity. I'm going to talk to you about living your life in the bucket. See, a lot of us, we're, we're told that we're called to, to manage our job, aren't we? We've got to manage our job. Go to work and make sure we manage it properly. And, oh, we got to make sure we, we handle our time properly. We got to make sure that every second's accounted for because we're only given so much time. The greatest commodity you have is your energy and your time. You can only give so much time away. You have to figure out how to invest your time. We're told to manage our sports. Come on, somebody. How many golfers in the house? How many scratch golfers? Anyone? I hate you. Okay. We're told to manage our family. This is, look at my kids right here. This is when they were real young and everything. Oh, they're so cute. Zoom in on that. Zoom in on that. Anyways, zoom de doo <laughs> We're called to manage our, our health, right? This is a jump rope. Some of you have never seen this before. 
He thought I was like, is that to tie things in your truck and tie it down? No, it's a jump rope. Helps you stay fit and lose weight. Some of us, we're actually called to manage our sin. Pastor, that's an iPhone case, right? You know, this little thing, you can look at a little... You can look at some stuff. You can gossip from it. Come on. Oh, it's just for prayer. No, you're gossiping. So many things you can do. This a tool can actually become sinner. Like we're called to manage it because if you knew about my sin, you might judge me and you might, you might condemn me. So I've got to hide it. I've got to manage it from you and keep it in darkness because anything that's brought to the light, man, God can free me. But yeah, you can also judge me. And so I've got to just keep it hidden. We're called to manage those things. Next, we're actually called to manage our money. Well, pastor, that's, that's, that's fruit. That's right. See, how we manage our money, this is our fruit. Now, none of us, maybe you are a farmer, but maybe we're not in agriculture. But when you look at the Old Testament and New Testament, whenever they talked about uh, uh, the, the fruit of our labor, talked about this. Whatever you put your hands to is the fruit of your labor. Now, we're called to steward those things, but here's the deal. I want to talk to you about biblical stewardship. That as a Christian, we're taught to manage these things properly, and if we manage them really well, then we invoke the blessings of God. I want to give you a different perspective on it today. The problem with that philosophy and theology and methodology is it isn't biblical. God has never called us to manage all these things. And that his reward upon our life is not how good we manage them. And at the end of the day, the end of our life, yay, A++, you managed it well. God's plan for our life, it's stewardship. God's desire is that we and everything we bring to the table is found in Jesus Christ. That he is the one directing and dictating all areas of our life. Can I get an old school amen? amen. Now I like to call this. The Jesus bucket. <laughs> Life in the bucket. You see, we can manage these things or, or I can take my work and put it in the bucket. I can take my time and say, God, I'm going to go ahead and all my time is yours. I'm going to submit it all to you. And my sports, that golfing that I wake up and you're never going to miss experience church on Sunday morning. You don't golf then, do you? Okay, if you are and you're watching this rebroadcast, get to church. Okay, there you go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to also put my, my resources, my, first, my fruit in there, and my time, my, my exercise, my health. God, I'm putting all these things in here, and I'm going to ask that you would steward it. Oh, even my sin, I, I'm just going to let you know about it. I'm going to tell somebody. There you go, because in God, you free me. But if I tell someone, you'll heal me. My family, oh, it's yours too. I'm going to give you everything I have and put it in the Jesus bucket because this is stewardship. Stewardship is saying, God, I put all of myself in the bucket and I'm going to ask that you would steward me. Because surely you know how to steward things better than I do. Has anyone ever made a mess of things? Your relationships? Your finances. Oh my God, I've been married for 23 years. Do you know how many times we got back into debt and got out of debt and back into debt? I had to call Christian consumer creditors. Help me. <laughs> how many times have I not learned my lesson? I try to steward myself. 
How many times as a dad, I did it the wrong way because I tried to do it Jim's way and not Yahweh's, not Jesus's way. See, the Bible isn't a rule book. It's a life-giving gift from God to direct us towards his heart. And when we put our lives in Jesus and we say, God, spend me, listen to me, spend me any way you want. That is biblical Christ-likeness. See, a lot of us try to live like this. Come on, somebody. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take this out of here. <laughs> Just for the time being. Because it suits me. No, living fully surrendered is that we put ourselves in the Jesus bucket and we live for Jesus even when it's not convenient. This means we forgive people even though they don't deserve it. What? Pastor, you don't understand what that person did to me. I know, right? This is biblical stewardship. Now you might be saying, Pastor, I thought you were talking about generosity. I thought you were talking about you know, giving. I, I am, but you first have to understand this is where we have to begin. Because yeah. you can give your money but if you first don't put yourself in here, you're, you're not doing it right. Yeah. Obedience is better than sacrifice. How many people sacrifice? They're never obedient by living in here. Well, you got my money. You got my time. Aren't you happy? No. It's not about doing that God wants. It's about being is what he's after. He wants you to be like his son, Jesus. What does that mean? It requires us to submit and surrender to him. It's the hardest thing. You know, the enemy, the number one thing he wants to keep you from doing is surrendering your will to God. This is the goal. And this is a lifelong pursuit. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a lifelong pursuit. I want to shift gears for a second and just hang with me. It's not just a, a money message. It's actually a lifestyle message. I love this past few weeks, you guys have been talking about just a lot of basics, foundational things. Now, when I was growing up in the house of miracles, come on, somebody, one of the things that was just standard is that God, not only is my time, my talents, but also my treasures are yours. And then the hard one, this is the really hard one, y'all, time, talents, treasures, I'll give God the first three, but the last one is super hard, plans. I remember I was dating a girl Man, I thought I was going to marry her and everything. And God's like, I want you to surrender the plans. But know my heart. I love her. I know, but I got something better for you. Sometimes surrendering our plans is so difficult. Time, our talents, our treasures, our plans all have to go inside the Jesus bucket. I want to talk to you about stewardship for a moment. I want to talk to you about the tithe for a second. I want to talk to you about the theology of tithing. And I want to bust some myths about tithing. I want to show you what it does mean to actually tithe. Remember, this is all about living in the bucket. There's nothing about your money. It's all about living inside the bucket. You see, I was taught my whole life that the tithe was all about the money. It's not about the money. It's all about the bucket. You tracking with me? Because we're all in with Jesus. We're saying, God, everything I have is yours. Everyone said the word tithe. Some of you are like, I ain't saying it. You ain't going to make me say that word, pastor. It's an archaic word. It actually means tenth. 
that we bring the first fruit of our resources to the Lord. It comes out of the phrase first fruits. That's why I use fruit as an example of what God puts in our lives and through our lands, through our occupation. If you look at it, Cain and Abel, the sons of Adam and Eve, brought first fruit offerings. Abel brought an offering of first fruits and it was pleasing to God. Cain brought an offering of what was left over. He was a herdsman. He handled the cattlemen. He brought what was left over. He got his part out first and they brought God's part and it says it displeased God with the offering. In fact, this is actually what caused the jealousy inside Cain to murder his brother. He thought that God was playing favorites when actually God was simply trying to reveal his heart. See, whatever we prioritize above God, he cannot bless. Everything I prioritize under God has the favor of God. This is why it's so important you put everything inside the Jesus bucket. Have you ever tried to do something on your own and it was just hard? And then you surrendered to God and it became easier? You're like, why did I wait 10 years? Because you're dumb. <laughs> how, many, how many know what I'm talking about? How many of you are sitting next to that person? The first fruit is a gift given to thanks and worship to God before anything else is used or spent. In Genesis 12 through 14, we see Abraham called to be the father of people. And, and it says in Genesis chapter 420 that he, he, he moved through towards a person named Melchizedek. Now, in the Old Testament, there are types of Christ. Melchizedek is a type of Christ. Remember, the Old Testament is a shadow of the New Testament. The New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there are shadows of Christ, of God. In the, also in the Old Testament, there are shadows of the enemy. It's not the enemy, but it's a shadow of the enemy. New Testament fulfillment. Old Testament points to the fulfillment in the New Testament. You track with me? Melchizedek is a type of Christ. And whenever Abraham moved towards the promises of God, he gave Melchizedek a type of God, type of Christ, and he brought him first fruits. What I love about this is that whenever we begin to move towards God, our hearts should be generosity. You see, I say this to a lot of pastors. I question that you love God. What do you mean? I said, because in your church, there's no outreach. And all you do is consume, 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 consume. No, when you get closer to God, your heart is not only for him, it's for other people. See, this church here receives your tithe. They help minister the body of Christ at large. You don't even know all the stuff they do. But then they go outside the four walls of the church because the heart of God, as you get closer to God, is to serve other people who are far from him. That's why when you bring your tithe to this church, you're not giving to this church, you're giving through this church. And why do we tithe? Why does this church tithe? It's because they live in the Jesus bucket. God, everything is yours. Now Moses brings the law. It was normal the people of God provide for the house of God through first fruits. I want you to look at Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. Every tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. So the tithe is his. It's holy. It's set apart. And every tithe of the herds and flocks and every tenth animal that all pass under the herdsman's staff shall be holy to the Lord. Now, here it is right here in the Old Testament. This is a way that God says, the tenth is mine. It's holy to the Lord. 
Proverbs 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with all your wealth, with the first fruits of all your produce. What I love about this verse right here, where it says, honor the Lord with all your strength. The word honor means to get on all fours and become a stepping stool for somebody else. Honor your wife. Honor your husband. It means to get on all fours and say, how can I lift you up? I go low and you go up. If you lift Christ up, right? He'll draw all men to himself. This is what that verse represents. Honor the Lord with all your wealth. Go low and lift God up with your wealth. What does that mean? Bring to God what is his. Then I love this next part. I'm a logical person, like I said. Uh, A plus B equals C. He says, listen, honor the Lord with your wealth. Well, then A plus B equals C. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will be bursting with wine. Now, does anyone have a barn? With your harvest in it. Does anyone have vats? You're a wine presser. My grandfather was a wine presser. He used to have grapes delivered to his house. They'd go down into the basement and he used to make his own wine. Come on, somebody. It was non-fermented because he's Christian, okay? <laughs> Best communion ever. Just what does that mean? Your savings account, your checking account will be full. Now, I'm not a prosperity preacher. I don't believe you march around a BMW seven times and blow a shofar at yours. I don't believe that. But I do believe that God prospers you and blesses you for a purpose. That if he can get it to you, the question is, will he get it through you? The problem is that God gets it to you and you hold, hold it and you consume it all. He's like, you idiot. You're supposed to use it for other people. Then we read in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 through 12, bring the full tithe. Now, I like this. At our church, we talk about tithing, and we have a lot of people, because they live, they're in debt, we are a blue-collar, no-collar community. You like that? I'll never forget a, a single parent. I can't even say a single, a single parent. Uh, her boyfriend left her with two boys. They were about eight or nine at the time, just took off with about 40,000 in debt, left her because she'd been out of the workforce for those eight or nine years. She, she had nothing. She's getting evicted. So we helped her get an apartment, put money down, paid the first two, three, four months of rent. We said, listen, you've got to move towards tithing. She said, well, I can't afford it. Guess what? She started with $3 a week. Set up online reoccurring giving. You want to know why? Intentionality, purpose, faith. She goes, I've never set up anything online reoccurring giving more before. I'm freaking out. What happens is if they don't have enough to cover the $3, it will go in the negative and cost me $39 a day. You know, we basically paid her rent for one year. We were paying her to come to church, kind of. But guess what? $3 moved to $10. Moved to $20. Now she's tithing. And guess what? She's teaching our Financial Peace University. Three years later. Come on, somebody. I love it. I love it. It's all about trying to get in here. It wasn't about just the time. It was here. This is what it's all about. It says bring the full tithe. Now here's what I believe. I believe most Christians are under condemnation because you believe this. I can't afford a tithe. I've already failed. No. I want to say this to you. Get the car out of park. It's easier for God to move a moving vehicle than a parked car. Yeah. Try. I believe in the power of the try. Try something. 
God, I'm not there yet. It might take me two years, but my faith, I believe when I get a raise, I'm going to pay down my debt, increase my time. I'm believing that I'm going to move there five years, three years, three months, whatever it is, move in that direction because it's all about this. We've taught it wrong. We made it about the 10%. No, it's about this. Living fully surrendered. And then he says, if you'll do this, if you'll bring it towards me, if you put your heart towards me, here's what I'm going to do for you. I will rebuke the devourer for you. Now listen, I've been in some fights in my day. One thing I love about Cleveland, we're all scrappers, right? I love my team. If I'm going to go to a fight with somebody, I'll bring my staff. You know what I'm saying? They got a little BC in them still. Before Christ. I like that. But if I'm going to be in a fight, I'd rather have God on my side. He says, I'm going, to I'm going to rebuke the devourer so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not bear, fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all, here it is, cause and effect, A plus B equals C. Then all nations will call you blessed. Blessed means happy, means favored. For you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. In other words, have you ever saved a thousand dollars and your washing machine broke? Oh, finally, I paid off the car. It breaks down. God's like, I'm going to take care of that. I'm going to make sure that you're okay. And that you're going to have more than enough that all the nations around you, because you help them, are going to call you blessed. That they're going to say, oh my gosh, I judged all these Christians. I thought they were horrible, hypocritical people, but in my time of need, they came and they fixed my water heater. Yeah. In my time of need, they had enough resources set aside. They fixed my roof, and I didn't know any. I didn't know. I didn't go to the church yet, but I know brother so-and-so. This is what God's calls to be. You know, my life, I was raised in extreme poverty at different times. I remember saying this to myself as a kid, I will never be poor. I will never allow my kids to grow up the way that I grew up. You know, that causes me, I have, a, I have a very high work ethic. I got like a PhD in striving. I had a Kung Fu grip on every single dollar bill. Come on. You know, I was called and gifted and graced with being an entrepreneur I think that's what made me a good church planter. But it had such a tight grip on money. And I was in the Jesus bucket. But this was not. I just couldn't trust him. I experienced and watched my mom serve the Lord so faithfully. And yeah, I saw miracles. But I saw what it did. I lived in a new house, every apart, really apartment my whole life. Every year, year and a half, I moved. There's some school systems. When I pulled up on a Friday from school, got off the bus, a truck was there. We were loading it up in a U-Haul. Monday or Tuesday, I was a new school system. I never owned my own bed, a brand new bed, never owned it until I left home and bought it myself. I left home when I was 15 and a half years of age, never to return again. Why? We just survived. And to trust God with my resources, I just couldn't do it. And here and now, I'm a pastor. And for the first five years, Pastor Justina, I invested Kyle. I never talked about money. 
I just couldn't. And my board came to me and said, hey, Pastor, can we talk to you for a second? Sure, sure, sure. You need to talk about money. I said, ah, ah, ah. I said, why? I said, because you're the pastor. I had to get into the word. And when I first got married, you know, I started tithing. And the reason I started tithing is when I heard God. He sounded just like my wife. She said, we're going to tithe. And I said, yes, ma'am, because I was afraid of her. You know, as I watched us, got, when we got married, I worked three jobs when we first got married. I was in ministry, paid $50 a week. I started my own lawn care business and my own painting business. Never forget one day I was worshiping God. He said, I want you, do you trust me? I said, yes. So I want you to quit one of your jobs. I said, I'd bind you, Satan. Oh, my God. I knew it was the Lord. I quit my I shut down my painting business. You know what? We couldn't make it financially, but I watched God supernaturally provide. Miracles. Checks in the mail. My landlord said, hey, listen, I saw you have a, 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 a lawn care business. How about you mow all around the apartment and everything, and I'll lower your rate $300. Favor. Why? I got the car out of park, and I tried. Then pretty soon, the Lord said to me, I want you to quit your second job. And if you quit your second job, I will bless you. It was big faith time. It was, it was put my big boy pants on, if you know what I'm saying. What was God after? My money? No, my heart. My heart. This is what he's after. Luke chapter 11, verse 42. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God, these you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Here's what he's saying. You should bring your tithe and love people. There's a lot of people that want to, they, they want to give their money and say, well, that's, my, that's what my job is. I'm just going to give money, but I'm not going to serve. I'm going to give my money, but I'm not going to be on the dream team. I'm going to give my money, but I'm not going to help out in the outreaches. And what Jesus is saying, yeah, I want you to bring your tithe and your resources, but I also want you to bring your love for others. What's the first and greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. And what's the second one? Love people as yourself. Love God, love people. Here's what living life in the bucket means. Life in the bucket says, God, spend me any way you want. I like the way that Pastor Rob Ketterling says it. Hearts that drift from God always hold their tithe. Hearts that are moving towards God brings the tithe and then some. Ooh, have you ever noticed when people get mad at the church, the first thing that ends is their money? The first thing to leave the church, feet on the money. And then pretty soon they leave the church. What happens when we get disgruntled with God? I ain't giving no more. It's okay. Can I give you permission? It's okay to be mad at God. He's pretty big. He's a big deal. You can be mad at the church. But the enemy would love to get you out of here. Here's the crazy thing about the tithe. When we put our money in here, God says, wait a minute. I want you to do this. 
Just give me a tenth of it. You keep the rest. Wait a minute. You just, I just want the tithe. The first 10% is mine. I know all of it's mine, but I'm going to give you the other part. Now, I know they got me bananas in here, and I think bananas are from the very depths of Sheol. But anyways, because <laughs> they look like horns. Okay, anyways. You know what I find in the church? First, let me say this. When we bring God's his, he blesses this. The question the Lord asked me, Jim, do you want to keep 100% and it not be blessed? Or keep 90% and have the blessings of God upon it? Of course I want the 90%. But here's what I find about the church is that we... We get so upset about this. God, I can't believe I gotta give you all of this. Really? Do you know how much that is right there? Look at the picture. God could actually reverse it and say, I want 90%, you keep 10%. But he says, no, I'll take the least, but I'll do the most. You give me the least, but I'll give you the most. You do the least amount of work and I'll do the most amount of loving. God gives the greatest investment. Today is about life in the bucket. Do you know that when I'm generous, I get to change the front door of the church? I read this in Relevant Magazine not too long ago. What happens to the church tithe? How 10% can change the world. Right now, the churches today isn't great at giving. 80% of givers in the church are 50 years of age and older. Tithers make up 10 to 25% on the average church. Only 5% of the U.S. church tithes, with only 80% giving away 2% of their income. What would happen if all of a sudden we all chose to tithe? Oh, by the way, Right now, the giving is at 2.2% per capita nationally. During the Great Depression, it was at 3.3%. What happens if the local church at large all began to tithe? There would be an additional $165 billion for church to use annually to distribute. The global impact would be phenomenal. Here's a few things hypothetically we could do. 25 billion could relieve global hunger, starvation, and deaths from preventable diseases in five years. 12 billion could be used to eliminate illiteracy in five years. 15 billion could solve the world's water and sanitation issues, specifically in places where there are 1 billion people who live on less than a dollar per day. 1 billion could fully fund all overseas missions work. Then, listen to me. Experience church. Listen to the, the power of togetherness. Listen to the power of surrender. 100 to 110 billion would still be left over for ministry expansion. Just left over, Pastor Justina. What should we do with this pocket change? 110 billion. What do we do with it? Well, let's, let's buy Google. <laughs> 
See, the church is the greatest force on the earth. If, like the young old lady in Cocoa Beach, obeyed. I heard the Lord speak to me at 2 a.m. in the morning. I'm going to do something crazy. Give me some Coke bottles. Put some scriptures in them. I know grandkids. I know it makes no... Think about the legacy it left in those grandkids. An indelible mark upon their soul. The grandma, I thought she was crazy, spicy pizza crazy. But nine years later, her obedience saved a family's life. Wow. What might your obedience by living in the Jesus bucket do? You know, today I, I ask specifically that we would actually receive our tithe and our offerings at the end. Here's why. Not because this church needs your money. But God wants you to live here. And maybe you've never, ever given anything before here at this church. Would you maybe start today? Start somewhere. $5, $10. Set up online reoccurring giving and be intentional about it. Maybe you are tithing. You say, but pastor, I, I'm already tithing. I'm good. Check them. No, go above and beyond. Every year for the past six years, my wife and I have increased 1%. I have a crazy goal, y'all. I was raised in a single parent home and we had crazy cars growing up. You ever remember a Chevette? That's all I got to say for all you senior folks know what I'm saying. Chevette is like, it's not a blessing. It's a curse. Chevette had a big hole on the passenger seat because the rust and the snow ate it away. We had a plywood on top of it. It was kind of awesome because whenever we had trash, we just opened it. <laughs> Littering wasn't that big of a deal back then. We didn't care about the earth. Had real no heat in it. We had blankets in there. And I have a goal. That one day I'm going to buy a single parent a van, a car, brand new, cash. I have a savings account. Every paycheck, I pay my tithe and go above and beyond. And then I put my savings account and I put money in it. The Bible says God will bless our storehouses, our savings account. So whenever I get a bonus or whatever it is, I put a little bit in there. I'm almost there. One day, God says, see that lady over there with the three kids? Yeah, that's the lady. I said, let's go buy a car. Not some old car that someone else already used. Here. Why? It's my heart. But start somewhere. Will you close your eyes and bow your head? Say, Pastor, this message is speaking to me about living life in the Jesus bucket, but you can talk about your time, your talents, your treasures, your plans, but unless you first put your life in it, all the other things are secondary. What do you mean, pastor? Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you given your life? To, in other words, have you made him the captain of your ship called your life? Have you handed over the reins and said, God, they are yours, and I'm going to be a second in command. You're the boss. I'm not. If you've never made that shift, then you are still leading your life. Let me tell you, you're going to wreck. Number one, practically on the earth. Number two, eternity-wise. The Bible says if you're far from God, you're going to spend eternity away from God in a place called hell. The worst part about it is there's no presence of God. God wants to live in you, with you, now and in eternity. Maybe I'm praying about it, thinking about it, contemplating, I want to give my life to Jesus. This is your moment. The count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, young and old, and say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. 
I wanna receive forgiveness of my sins. I wanna make a decision, live for him. If that's you in the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Is there anyone? I wanna give my life to Jesus. Just raise your hand. No one's looking around. Thank you. See your hand up front. Keep your hand up. I have some friends coming down the aisle. They're gonna give you a Bible. Right here up in the front, sir. So hand in the back. Keep your hand up, sir. Right here in the second row. Give my life to Jesus. Hand back here, going up. My ushers are moving quickly. Right over here, sir. There's no wait. Thank you, church, for praying. Thank you. Keep praying. Keep praying. Hands are still going up. This is your moment. If you raised your hand, I want to congratulate you in advance. It is the best decision. But pastor, I just raised my hand. I know. You don't have to pray a prayer to be saved. It's a decision you make. Decision connects you to eternity. Jesus paid the price. I like to say it this way. Jesus died for your sins, so you don't have to. But I'm gonna ask the whole church to pray this prayer, prayer of faith with me, a prayer of salvation. You can pray it in your mind or pray it out loud, but pray this. Say, Lord, come and experience church. Pray with me. Say, Lord, I give up. I surrender my will. I repent of my sins, known and unknown. Thank you for forgiving me. Today is my day because of Jesus. I'm made clean. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Lord, I'm going to live for you. When I mess up, I'm going to come back to you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Come on, experience church. Put your hands together.